0: God our Father, life of the faithful, glory of the humble, happiness of the just, hear our prayer. Fill our emptiness with the blessings of this Eucharist, the foretaste of eternal joy. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. All right, before we get going on to the next thing, and I do hope it's more uh, gospel than law, um, are there any questions from last week? Really? Okay? (laughs) I will trust you. Pastor Bruzek is here. He's willing to answer anything you got. Uh, No questions from last week, from the circle of anger. Okay? Um, Let me just say one thing before we move into the next next section here. If you flip your outline open, you should have 9A on the front, and then 9B is sort of the second section there. One thing, at least in, in looking back on sort of the last six months, one thing that was unforeseen but in some sense a blessing was that we had the opportunity to observe in our own community both the inner circle of anger, which is sort of this explosive anger, and then what Pastor Bruzek talked about last week, this outer circle of anger, which is in some sense more subtle but just as dangerous, okay? And the reason we had that uh, that opportunity was because, remember, we had a voters meeting which blew up. And then we had AOR come in. So there there were things confessed, not in specificity, but things confessed. And then we had another voters' meeting, which allowed for, in some sense, uh, a more subtle expression of the sins of the first voters' meeting. Okay, So think about this. You know, the first voters' meeting, people blew up. That's the circle of anger in its sort of clearest form. AOR came in. We confessed our sins, but really in generalities. Um, the people who were here forgave in generalities. The people who confessed confessed in generalities. And then we had another voters' meeting, and what happened? Much calmer, but still you could see the circle of anger at work. Right? And that is sort of the outer circle of anger. So, you know, maybe it's a blessing to look back on that and have the opportunity to see it now, but at the time it was it was sort of an unforeseen um, well, it was an unforeseen example of the circle of anger and the outer circle of anger. Okay? That makes sense? Blow up, calm, and then more subtle sin. That's the circle of anger and the outer circle. Uh, to get out of the circle of anger, though, and that's, what, that's where we're going today, the way out of the circle of anger is the circle of redemption. And it looks something like Psalm 32. So if you have a Bible, pop open to Psalm 32. Anybody want to read Psalm 32 for us? Somebody? Thank you. Read all of Psalm 32 if you don't mind. Perfect, thank you. All right, so the way out of the circle of anger is the circle of redemption, the circle of forgiveness. But before you get to what all that might mean, the first natural question is, what is sin? If you have to describe sin, how would you describe it? Anybody, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry? Good. Opposition to God's will. Okay. Darkness. Good. What else? Self. self yeah. I mean, Self-centeredness. It's, self, it's sort of self-consuming. What else? Anything outside, of God. anything outside of God. That might be the best answer so far. Keep going. Out of the light. Out of the light. Good. What else? Separation. Separation. Now you're getting there. Keep going. Probably at its core... Sin is defined as not breaking the ten words, not necessarily sinning against God's will. Those are all expressions of sin. But sin at its core is broken relationship. Okay? Sin at its core is broken relationship. So we'll just put that right up here. Now, where does uh, relationship begin? Eden, right? It begins in Eden. And there's what kind of relationship? There's relationship between God and man and between man and woman, and really, frankly, with man and himself and woman and herself, right? So when relationship breaks, it breaks on three levels. It's broken relationship between God and man, you and each other, and you and yourself. You see this most clearly with the woman at the well. Remember, she comes to the well and Jesus says, you're right, you don't have a husband. The last five haven't been yours either, right? And so there's relationship broken with her and Jesus, her and herself, and her and all those former husbands. Now, it's interesting. What happens to Adam and Eve as soon as they've sinned? They sin, they try to hide. Obviously, you can't hide from the Lord. Then the Lord does what to them? Do you remember? Where does he put them? Yeah, he puts puts them outside of Eden. Now, it's interesting that uh, he puts an angel to block the way back in. And you remember, angels are not fully human beings. Okay? They're not fully human beings. They're not created like you and me. Uh, in fact, humanity is <laughs> humanity is higher than the angels. The Lord loves flesh more than he does just spirit. So it's fascinating that the Lord blocks the way back into Eden, back into the way of humanity, back in the way of relationship by something that's less than human. Okay? He doesn't put a man there. He puts an angel there which means relationship is forever changed, and at its core, relationship is humanity. So when Adam and Eve are outside of Eden, it's not only broken relationship, guess what? It's broken humanity. You and I, because of the fall, are subhuman. We're subhuman. And you'll see that in the text in just a few minutes. You'll see it in Psalm 32, where he says, don't be like an animal. There's a reason he says, don't be like an animal. Right? Because redeemed humanity is humanity in its fullest, purest expression. Uh, One of the great Lutheran fathers, Gustav Wingren, of, of the 20th century said, to be redeemed means the Lord allows men to be men and women to be women. Okay? So redemption is just being fully human again. Everybody okay with that? You understand? Sin, broken relationship, and because of sin, now broken humanity. You are less than human. So what the Lord's trying to do is not only return you to Eden, but to return you to humanity. Part of the reason I think not only churches, but the world struggle and and human beings struggle to interact with each other is because we're not fully human. If animals have a fight in the wilderness, what do they do? If they disagree, they attack. (laughs) They go after each other. And you you see that sometimes even in humanity. You see humanity being almost animalistic. They just sort of go after each other with no sense of what's right or what's wrong, and frankly, uh, you know, they don't care. It's like my dog. We say, don't eat from the table, you know, get down. If she gets the chance, she's going to eat from the table, right? She knows it's wrong, but that doesn't bother her. Okay? So you have this circle of redemption at work then in uh, Psalm 32, and it really begins with, David, the psalmist, sort of talking about new life, his fall into sin, repenting of his sin, the Lord being merciful, the Lord forgiving, and then, real honestly, restitution, which is which is sort of a Lutheran way of talking about penance, about making wrongs right. So you have this full circle in the biblical text and in Psalm 32. You have all this going on. He's got new life. He sins, he repents, the Lord is merciful, he forgives him. And then he makes wrongs right. There's restitution. Now, before we look at the psalm in depth, what's the most difficult part for us? On that circle of redemption, what's the most difficult point? Yeah, probably repentance. Now, why do you say Repentance. Yeah, it is. If you look at uh, verse 5 of Psalm 32, and it's on your outline here under repentance, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Do you think our problem, and frankly the problem of the church, I don't just want to limit it to St. John, but it is at St. John, is our problem not recognizing sin or not being willing to confess sin? Yeah, I think our problem is probably not being willing to confess the sin. People who live in Wheaton and people who live sort of in this, in this Lutheran milieu here, they know what sin is, right? You write an email about somebody that's not true. Most people know that that's sinful. The difficult part comes when you're not willing to actually confess that you've done something wrong, okay? And you notice in the psalm, this section of repentance, this really is the holdup for us right here, this section of repentance involves a full blast revelation of what you've done and who you've hurt. Okay? I mean, this is like, this is more than just saying, oh, I'm sorry about that. Now, there are times when that's all that it takes. Right? I mean, if you, uh, if you have an ill thought about somebody and you, you pray to the Lord, because probably you're not going to go to them, you pray to the Lord and you say, I'm very sorry I had that ill thought. Amen. That's enough. However, uh, oftentimes sin is even greater than that. You sin in specifics. You're forgiven in specifics. So your confession, your repentance, should take the form of specifics. Right? You don't sin in generalities. And you're not just sort of, when you come to confession, you know, even the confession on Sunday, it's not just kind of like, ah, don't worry about any of that. It actually forgives you point by point for everything you've done. So a proper confession or a proper bit of repentance involves confessing in specifics. And this is where the holdup is. That's the most difficult part for us. Okay? Now, if this is the most difficult part for us, and we can't quite make it past this point, where does that leave us sort of in the spiritual realm? In a good place or a bad place? Yeah, in a bad place. Because if you can't get past the repentance point what aren't you getting to? Mercy and forgiveness and making wrongs right. This is, you remember, this is sort of raw justice right here. You remember from the circle of anger? If you have raw justice, what happens to you? You die. You die. The repentance point leads to the mercy point. But if you never get to mercy, what's our lot? We die. Okay? We die. Does that make sense? Y'all are pretty quiet. it's kind of Yes. Yeah, okay, good. All right. Go ahead. So if
1: the repentance is the part that's hard for
0: Yeah.
1: And we you know that that is happening in our community here.
0: Right. What do we do about it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Pastor Bruzik will talk about that next week. <laughs> well, I think, I think the first thing is to, um, well, let me speak for myself. The first thing is to recognize it in myself that the repentance point is always the most difficult point because what it means is actually going nose-to-nose with people in a good way or in some sense, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about this, if sins are corporate, if I, let's, if I write an email about you that's untrue to the entire congregation, probably the best thing for me to do is to stand up to the entire congregation and say, I wrote this and it wasn't true. So partly it's recognizing in myself how difficult repentance can be, little things and big things. At the same time, people who are spiritually mature, people who are here today, need to actually engage people who have not made it past this point and say, we can't move forward as a community until we make it through repentance. Yes.
1: So AOR, when
0: they were here, yeah. one of the
1: elements in the Bible study was about getting the log
0: out of your eye. Yeah. So if you approach people
1: who are unwilling to get the log out of their eye,
0: what's the next step? Pray. <laughs> uh well nothing happens by force. So you can't force anybody to get past repentance. But the point of the last four or five weeks of preaching has been that can't stop this community from moving forward. So if you encounter people who are unwilling to acknowledge their sin, what he says is, I finally became willing to acknowledge my sin. Believe me, David took you know, months to acknowledge that he'd done something wrong. This doesn't happen overnight. But the whole community can't be held up by waiting for folks to get through repentance. We pray that it comes quickly. We offer the Eucharist six days a week because that helps. But if folks are unwilling to say, I've done that, the community needs to move on, um, and sometimes people get left behind. I mean, that's the reality. This is, this is Jesus today walking through their midst. They cannot get through repentance, the community in today's gospel. But Jesus doesn't stay and waste a year of his life trying to fix them. He says, I got someplace else to go and something else to do. So he walks right through their midst and goes on to the next thing. So partly, if we're always um, battling with people to sort of repent and confess, or if we're just waiting and waiting and waiting that you know 20 or 30 families will confess and repent, there may be a point where we say, we just got to keep moving. Because staying put is not being faithful. Keep going.
1: Yep. Our being here was to teach us yep how to reconcile with each other in a biblical way. Yep. And if those who won't participate in a reconciliation in a biblical way there's still the love of Christ, there's still grace in this process.
0: Very much so. Yes. What you have to see in this circle, let me say two things. Toward the love of Christ, I completely agree. And that's right here. The mercy is the love point. But you remember, mercy waits. It waits to be received. So you can't. Even the Lord doesn't force His mercy on people. So in His, sometimes His most loving thing is to walk away and hope that you turn around and follow. So love isn't. Love isn't always sort of persistence bang, persi- persistent banging on people. Come on, repent. We got to keep going. Sometimes love says, "I'm going to wait here for you to turn around, and when you turn around, by God, we're going to love you like we've never loved you before." And and I know this is sort of foreign talk among Lutherans, but that's precisely what, in the hymnal, the excommunication rite is. People who are unwilling to repent are not allowed to be part of the community for a time being. However, when they return, it's the most joyous thing you could ever imagine. The pastor announces, Bob Joe has repented of his sin, and we welcome him back to the Eucharist. Come together now, and we love him like we've never loved him before. But it can't be forced. People take time. Now to the AOR point, I agree as well that part of their goal was to teach us reconciliation. I also know when I talked to Ted after, after the reconciliation night, I said, there are a couple people I encountered who are unwilling to be reconciled. To which he said, don't force it, keep moving on and just wait. Because I, I, I was like you, I'm like, well, let's go meet with him right now, come on. He said, no, 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 that's not how it works. Take some time they got to come to this on their own, and it may take a long time. Yes?
2: One of the things I've observed, and when people have called us unloving, uh, when they say the love of Christ, what they really is, m- mean is my definition of love. The love of Christ uh, is to be honest in an objective way according to the Ten Commandments, to forgive in an objective way, according to the way that Christ forgives, and then to move on in an objective way as community. Um, It is true at times that we've been unloving and that I've been unloving. Uh, It's also true that the greatest percentage of the time when people say, St. John is unloving or you're unloving, that normally translates in Wheaton to, you didn't give me what I wanted. Um, you didn't give me what I wanted is the childish thing. It's the thing that children say when they don't get their way. which is And that's the reason we use a liturgy. It's utterly objective. That's the reason we use a form for confession. It's utterly objective. That's the reason we give the Eucharist every week. Um, I can count on one hand the number of times I've denied the Eucharist to people in the 13 years I've been here. And it's normally because they're in great and manifest and public sin. Um... But you, I can also say, um, you never knew that. So we've never gone from what's called the small ban of denying the objective Eucharist to denying, to, to the great ban, which is to deny that and make it public. So, so going forward, um, it's really good to talk about love and it's good to emphasize being loving. And even when we get in the new space, one of the great advantages will be to give you a place where you can be loving before and after services and chat around a bit. But it's extraordinarily important and I actually appreciate Keith's comment on this, it's important that it is actually the love of Christ that we are talking about. And it would be interesting, you know, I don't know if you want to go after your sermon a little bit, but I would be interested to know from all of you whether you think, whether what Christ did was a loving thing. Okay, I paused for you to answer, now let me say what I think. (laughs) Uh, uh, A man who beats his wife, she doesn't love him by continuing to let him beat her, A congregation that will not listen to Christ. Christ doesn't love them by sticking around in the same way, shape, or form. And so this morning, Jesus said, this is how I love you, sight to the blind, freedom to the captive, liberation to the people, and the gospel fulfilled in your midst. And their reply was, You don't love us at all. And we hate you, and we will kill you for bringing that kind of love into our midst. To which Jesus then moves away precisely because the Lord has given him more work to do. And, you know, whether we'll get to this in a week or two, there's a pastoral element, real honestly, of how you want us to spend our time. Um, I've spent the last two years primarily working with a very small group of people who were very agitated. Um, Many of them agitated because they said we didn't love them which translated to I didn't get my way. And part of what AOR said in the report was there's not a lot of objective evidence that people were unloved. Those charges were made but two or three times or four or five times in the report they said the charge has been made, the charge cannot be substantiated. So we've done our year of um, having a good look at ourselves and I myself have recognized tried to recognize right and wrong and many of you have done that as well Uh, and we've tried to do that as a congregation and those days are over because if you can't get it done um, in a year or so or two years for some some folks as long as this has been going on if you can't get it done in a year or two The congregation as a body cannot wait around. There are people to baptize and there are poor people to feed and the Russians don't have money for summer camp and things have blown up in Haiti. And we've been wholly inwardly focused um, for more than a year. Uh, At some point, that becomes narcissistic and utterly sinful. So um, the point of all this is to recognize what's been going forward. And again, Keith's comment is extraordinarily helpful because he did ask about the love of Christ. What's so important, especially in this place, is that we keep the love of Christ as an objective thing. Christ on the cross for all your sins, delivered to you in word and sacrament, and at least in this place, um, efficiently and very objectively in the liturgy. Uh, And if we stick with that, that will be very helpful. Now, Two things we're trying to do, just so you know where we're going forward. Um, What Pastor Gaining is trying to do today, uh, and I think, you know, and we'll go next week if we don't get there, um, because I yammered on here. But part of what he's trying to get you to do is to see that uh, it's not enough just to pop off and say, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. Um, If you've done a tremendous amount of damage over a long period of time in a very public way, to sort of, you know, stumble up to somebody in the hallway and say, hey, sorry about that, is not repentance. And one of the marks of it not being repentance is when people say that, and ten minutes later they're doing it again. It means in no way has there been the sort of self-examination that Jesus talks about or that he offers in the gospel for today. So, um, and frankly, and I don't want to steal your thunder, because I have a sense it may be thunder. Uh, <laughs> at the rest little joke there, because <laughs> it's, it's more comedic today than you think. Uh, <laughs> even the... Even the Pisker kid—I thought that was a great little gag. I actually apologize
0: to the family. I don't know if they're here, but
2: uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought not. it was funny. I thought it was funny too. So uh, the bell thing, know, whatever. He's 13, and that scares all that of us. That scares all of us. Should we should him. pray for him. Um, but the restitution point, honestly, uh, you know, if you put a if you put a rumor into the congregation, you need to unrumor it, and if you've gossiped in the congregation, you need to ungossip, and if you've written an email to the whole congregation, you need to unwrite it, and it would look something like. I did this and it was a horrible lie and it's derailed things for a very long time and I'm horribly sorry about that, would you all forgive me? And the answer to that is, of course we would. Um, but restitution may also look like you may not hold the same position or do the same thing you did before. If you steal all the money you know, from the offering plate, we'll forgive you, um, but you don't get to take the collection anymore. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's There's uh, repercussions, there's restitution insofar as you're able. Um, So partly what we're trying to do, um, Keith's question is very valid because under the banner of people are unloving or are loving, a lot of things have been hidden. And, And the exercise over the next two or three weeks, as long as it takes us, is gonna be to try to have a good look in specifics and offer good forgiveness in specifics and offer good restitution in specifics and then this is utterly important, to live together as a community in specifics, mm-hmm. which means you don't walk down the hallway with your head down and not look at people who wronged you, which means you don't avoid people when it's time to shake hands and share the peace, which means you, know, you, you don't move away, and it certainly means you don't do the same thing over again. Um, everybody wanted to get down to brass tacks? Brax ta- brass tacks it is. Um, but not in an angry way, in a joyful way of going forward we're going to be a congregation, if we don't do anything else, we're going to be a congregation that learns how to confess and forgive and live together. And you can either get on the boat, or it's leaving the dock, as the sainted Clarence Eifert used to say. (laughs) Uh, So, and that's the, this is the most practical of all things, so I very much appreciate the fact that you're going after this specifically, 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 Mm -hmm. and I appreciate the question because Mm -hmm. it demands a crisp Definition of what the love of Christ is. Right. And not something that I've made up or that I'm disappointed about. Gordon, now, you ask you, go me ahead, that Gordon. question. If you ask me that question there, young lady, um, then I'll take even more again next time. But then I won't have to prepare for next week. So well, I think Gordon had okay. his hand up first, so that's oh, why I move us along. Go a little ahead. Bit. A, you, I returned the, to the center from uh, Illinois. To an earlier point that you made. Yeah.
1: Yeah, right. And the hard part is the confrontation. Yeah. And we have to overcome that Mm -hmm. Um, in order to achieve confession and reconciliation. And I believe that's where prayer and the reliance on the strength of God help you do that.
0: That's right.
1: And and all of us need to take first steps.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But confrontation, I'm sure, is the hard part.
0: Yes, right. Actually going nose to nose with the Lord, with yourself, looking in the mirror and saying, I can't believe I did that. And then to the person you wronged to actually go and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, Let's go here first. Karen, do you have a question? Right. Yeah. You remember the psalmist says, in your anger do not sin, which means there is the possibility, and I want to stress the operative word is possibility, of uh, sinless anger. But I would sort of limit that to the person of Christ. (laughs) Uh, Because chances are you and I can't actually be sinlessly angry. You may, and if you are, come find me because I'd love to see what that looks like. Um, Yeah, probably not. So anger... And you you did the circle of anger. I would say, in and of itself, anger is not the sin. It's how the anger is embodied and expressed that's the sin. Where where does it come from? If it comes from sort of a sinless desire to make wrongs right and have community again, which that's the way the Lord was in the temple, how come you've destroyed my community by putting up these money changers? That's very different than saying, um, you know, I can't believe that person said that to me or about me or did that to this person. You know, I'm going to be sort of set off by that. That's a very different sort of thing, because yours stems from a desire for, uh, in some sense, sinless, just, sinful justice, right? you have anything to add to that? Really? Oh, that's good. Is that a confession?
1: <laughs> I forgive you, yes. Pastor, back there, what would you have? Oh, I was just going to say that, that uh, I'm kind of going back to the specifics point. Yes. yeah
3: really handle it so well because there's specifics I need to confess that I'm I'm ready to confess yep and 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 then there's specifics that haven't yet uh really hit me yes
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's right. Actually, if I can talk for just a moment about the the specifics in sin, what I want to emphasize is, I think at least from what I've what I've observed, you know, both in the past six months and the past three or four years, in myself and in others, you see really two ends of the of the confession spectrum. One is to just say I'm sorry, and expect it all to be squared up. So you blow up at somebody, you send out an email, you do whatever, pick your sin. I mean, partly I'm naming specifics because that's been our life for the past six or eight months. But you do that, and then you just kind of say, oh, I shouldn't, I'm sorry. Well, that doesn't necessarily square it all the way up. The other extreme is, I'm sorry I did this, but I did it because, boom, 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 boom. You were mean to me, I thought you were hurting this person, pick your thing. It's a confession with excuses. So we have to find sort of the middle ground, which is more than just I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But confession without excuses. so it may look something like, I'm sorry I did this. Here are the things I did. I lied about you, I talked to other people about you, I spread rumors about you, whatever it may have been. confession, full blast, yet without excuses. So if you and, and partly the reason there are no excuses is the Lord doesn't care about excuses. He just doesn't care um, and you know if you come and this 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 is sort of for anything. If you've sinned against me and you come back to me and talk to me about this or if you've sinned against someone else and you're coming to confession, the one thing I won't let you do and I'm sure the other pastors as well, you won't even get through your excuses. Because what I'm going to say is I don't care. It doesn't matter why you did what you did. The point is you did it or I did it and it needs to be confessed and forgiven. So sort of try to embody that in your own relationship with your spouse. You know, don't say, I'm sorry I yelled at you, but you didn't take the trash out. That's why I did it. Well, that's not a confession. A confession is, I'm sorry I yelled at you. The same thing here in the church. Confession without excuses. That has to be the way forward. Full blast, in specifics, without excuses. That makes sense? Yes. Because there's never any reason for sin. There's never a time when the Lord gives you reason to sin. So if you're making an excuse, you're giving a reason for your sin. Sin It's inexcusable. You know what the worst is? When someone says, I'm going to do this and then ask for forgiveness. (laughs) You heard that? Sin and then ask for forgiveness later? Guess what? You can't be forgiven. That's the kind of thing where the Lord says, if you sort of premeditated this and you expect to be forgiven, that's inexcusable. Okay? Other questions? Yes? Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Completely agree. That's the restitution point where we're getting. And the Lord actually says, it's, it's interesting because in the text, it changes from uh, you, 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 you to I, 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 I. So finally the Lord begins to speak and says, I'll show you this life now, which is don't hit your brother again. But I actually want to just, and we're almost out of time, but I do just want to just address the point about folks oftentimes sinned and they didn't know it was a sin and they actually thought they were helping the situation. I agree um, and you saw that in, well, if you call AOR or you call the bishop before you've come to talk to me about a sin, guess what? You think you're helping the situation and you're not. So I would pose the question, how come people like that don't actually know that they're not helping the situation? I would, and I would give you the answer because they're not here. They're not here. The people, the people that do those sorts of things, the reason they don't know that that's sinful is they have no context, objective data by which to judge what sin is or not. Where do you learn what that is? Right here. Come to church every Sunday. Come to Bible study. So many of our problems revolved around people who were in some sense spiritually immature. And What I mean by that is they couldn't judge sin from non-sin. And they did things thinking they helped the situation, and guess what? They destroyed it. But the reason is, they never learned what was sin and what wasn't. So partly what we have to get after is not only how to confess, but maybe you're right, maybe just what sin is, which is why I led by saying broken relationship. If you do anything to break relationship, or which might be construed as trying to break relationship, it's sin. So that's part of it. I agree. Lots of people did things they thought were very helpful, but the reason they didn't know any better was, they weren't always here. And I, still, I just heard this morning, someone said to me, you know, uh, someone called the synodical president on you a couple weeks ago. Now here's my question, why didn't they come talk to me? That's a, diff- that's a different deal, but the person who did it isn't here, there's a reason for that. We gotta figure all that out. Well that was a lot of grace. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, with your study. <laughs> Next week, <laughs> we'll get past the repentance <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, we gotta move forward. And and I and I mean that in its, you know, that's what Jesus wants. We gotta move forward. We have to care for people who are behind us, but we can't stop ourselves from moving forward. So all that uh, will carry on next week. Can I have just a little time next week, Pastor Bruzek?
2: Yeah, but actually uh, to you want, Okay. I think you nailed it. You said the other side of the same thing I said, which is people don't know what love is because they aren't here studying. Yeah. People also don't know what sin is because they're not here studying. Right. The only care for that is to study. Right. So, we're going to have to study because then we have an objective baseline for what the community is. It's not what you want it to be, right. it's not what I want it to be, it's not what anybody here wants it to be. What community does Jesus want? Yeah. He wants a community that is sinless. There's two ways you can do that. You can be the son of God, or you can be forgiven by the son of God. Right. So we need to move toward confessing that we're not the son of God and we're sinners, and then receive his forgiveness, and then we need to go forward, which doesn't mean we're perfect. It just means that we're gonna have a different pattern of life together. It's more important than moving next door. It's more important than the school. It's more important than anything else to have that pattern gathered around the Eucharist. It is the most important thing. Maybe we didn't do a good job of teaching it. Maybe you didn't good, do a good job of hearing it. Whatever it is, we're going to try to do a good job of teaching it. We're going to ask that you do a good job of hearing it. And that is going to be, if AOR did anything for us, uh, it gave us the objective reminder that this is what the church looks like. And going forward, live or die, this is what the church is going right. to look like. Right. Yes.
0: Uh-oh. Haiti basket. Who's, who took the money from the Haiti basket? <laughs> Who's got it? Come on now. Did you (laughs) This is a great demonstration, but too good. (laughs) Who's got the Haiti basket? Uh-oh. What (laughs) are you going to do? Getting back to the circle of anger. It did or didn't? It didn't. Okay, so someone on that side. It's over there somewhere. All right, well, let's find the Haiti basket, and when we find it... Drop a couple bucks in. All right. It may have gone all the way back to the ushers. Who knows? (laughs) They're out to breakfast right now. Here we go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation